Hi there. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Gravity, the digital marketing and internet business podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by small digital marketing business owners, creators, consultants, and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then as usual, welcome along. Just take a second to quickly subscribe to this show in your podcast player and you won't miss new episodes as they come out and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. This week, I'm speaking to Colin Gray. Colin is one of the nicest guys I know and he's also the person that first got me thinking about podcasting. You might think that's enough to lynch him, but hold off for a moment until you meet him. Colin has a great story behind his business and I'm thrilled to be able to peek behind the curtain of his business with you. So welcome along and let's meet Colin. So Colin Gray from The Podcast Host, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for giving us your time. Do you want to maybe just start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Bob. Um, So yeah, I'm Colin. Uh, I run a podcasting company, essentially. We create our own network of podcasts. We've got our own um, set of live podcasts, everything from how to run a podcast, of course, to uh, space exploration, to mountain biking. Um, So we are definitely a podcast making company, but really the core of the business is around teaching people how to make a podcast. So we've done client work over the years where we've worked with businesses to to create their own shows. Um, And we also have a couple of other products, one of which is a a coaching membership where people can join up and get our courses and live coaching and all that kind of stuff, learn how to run a show. Uh, And then we've got our software as well, which is called Alitu. And Alitu is really just a a platform that makes it really easy to create a show. So you just upload your raw audio and then we deal with the rest, you know, adding the music, making it sound good and publishing it, all that kind of stuff. So I've been running that for, well, 2011 technically, but really as a full-time job since 2015. And these days we've got a team of uh, five or six people, depending on whether you count part-timers and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's all interesting and fun and, and crazy. So yeah, happy to talk about it. I count part-timers. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> I met you, I think it must be 2011, something like that, in Dundee at a really boring networking event. <laughs> yes. Um, and you were starting at talking about podcasts and I scratched my head and I thought, podcast? How can you make a business in podcasts? Yeah. Um, but you proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think meeting you, that was probably the genesis of me thinking about podcasts and working and yeah, not, it was a a little bit like a dog with a bone, but I couldn't quite find the angle, but I've been really impressed with the growth of your business. Um, And I'm I'm really glad to get some time to speak to you. You you work and you operate in the digital marketing space. I think it's fair to say, I mean, podcasting is a a real niche specialism. Um, And I think I have a couple of areas that I really want to look at you've you've productized brilliantly um, both with your own network of podcasts the membership side of things and the Alatu product but I think when I met you back a long time ago I can't remember exactly when it was your focus then was more on helping businesses establish their own podcast is that right yeah yes absolutely I mean it's a funny it's a funny one actually it goes way back to the the company first made its first penny out of affiliate income 
So that's where it really started. I was working at a university at the time, uh, and the the I was just writing reviews of equipment and mixers and uh, microphones and all that kind of stuff, and really took on took on a, a Amazon as an affiliate partner. Started putting Amazon links into the website, and that's where it started to make some money. But really, the time you're talking about is as soon as I went full-time, really, the, the Amazon income grew to a point where I just got really interested in the whole thing um, and decided just to take the risk and jump into it. Um, and the first year or so was really trying to make myself uh, more, what I thought was a legitimate business, I suppose. Right. I still thought of uh, Amazon affiliate income or that kind of income as being quite unreliable, as being a little bit... Um, you know, it's not a proper business. It's just like, it's just making a bit of money on the internet. Uh, so for some reason, I convinced myself that the only way for us to make a proper legitimate podcast company was to take on clients and work with people to create shows. So you're absolutely right. At that point, I was trying to find as many companies as I could to take on as regular production clients. So we'd produce their show just week in, week out. Yeah. And is that production side of things something that you've moved away from in terms of doing it for other people? It is, yeah. I mean, we we still do do it, but we do not do it the way we used to. So back then, it was all about it was about volume and regularity, really. The kind of the classic way to become a podcast producer was to get people who are producing shows week in week out, like yourself, like you do, Bob. Like, you, so you, they send you the recording, and every single week you get it out for them. Um, and it's pretty low, pretty high competition, relatively low quality kind of churning it out um little problems can cause all sorts of big problems and so the we've got rid of that kind of work and these days we concentrate on the kind of really high-end high production stuff so we still work with um so for example a show we did recently was with the converge challenge who are a funding uh, competition for entrepreneurs and we created a series of four episodes only four episodes one season where i interviewed four people and we spent uh, probably two to three weeks full-time working on that show like bringing it all together creating a narrative narrating it all um putting in music every all through it to create tension drama all that kind of stuff it's really you know, creating that kind of high-end, almost dramatic-style, documentary-style show. So that's that's really the only kind of production we do these days. That sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, I love it doing is. the podcast, but that sounds like so much work. But I don't listen to that many of that kind of podcast. It, it tends to be more, the more down-and-dirty, expert-style podcast. But yeah, my sure. wife listens to that kind of podcast. And, yeah, they're quite powerful stuff. But I can imagine they're great fun to make. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're time consuming and they're stressful and they're, um, you know, you can get you can get down. There's there's definite troughs in making stuff like that. You know, when the first two thirds of it are, this is not coming together. This sounds terrible. It's terrible. And then suddenly there's just a point where you go, oh, wait a minute, that's what it is. That's the bit that links to there. That's the bit of music that makes that pop. And then, yeah, that's that's it's all worth it at that point. <laughs> so with podcasting, the people that you work with on the membership side of things, for example, um, and I guess the people who are also using the Alitu product, what kind of variety of reasons are there that people decide they want to do podcasts? I mean, I'm clear on my goals, but I'm, I imagine there must be a huge variety of goals people have for podcasting. Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, the biggest, the most uh, legitimate goal is really it's about putting the sort of the human touch behind a brand or a company. I mean, I sp we're talking about marketing podcasts, I suppose, um, at its core. And, you know, you're a solopreneur or you are running a small business and it's the business has got a name, but people, you know, 
like it or not, there's there's always perception that businesses are just out there to get your money. You know, they just sell a product, they just want your money. So building trust can be quite tricky. And that's what it comes down to for me. Podcasting is all about trust because you get yourself out there. You get the staff behind your business out there, the real people, the real human beings, their thoughts, their dreams, their ethos, their, you know, everything. And it puts such a personality behind the business that helps grow trust, that helps grow, grow credibility. And really that's the, that's the most powerful thing about podcasting for me. And that's why I think uh, that's why most businesses think about getting into it in the first place. Um, but I mean, we've talked as well about the the side benefits, haven't we? About the, the stuff of the networking, like just the fact that you get to talk to somebody for half an hour or an hour every week and learn from them and ask them all the questions that maybe you couldn't get their time doing otherwise. Yeah. And, um, and the, yeah, your own learning, like, so you get to know these people, build these relationships, but you also learn so much yourself. And yeah, there's, there's loads of side benefits to podcasting as well. It's, it's, it's a great medium. Yeah, certainly it's been a great journey for me so far. And you would have to prize me away from it now. I really enjoy it too much. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> so one of the things I've noticed you doing quite well is, I mean, there are, there are other people doing similar things to you in the world, but I don't know them. Um, you've put a lot of, well, I don't know if you put a lot of time and effort into it, but it appears that you have. You've certainly built quite a strong personal brand. And if you were to ask me to name five people who operate in your space, you're the only one really that I could name. That's partly because I know you, but I, th I, I know you do speaking. Uh, you're, you're quite often at events and things like that. Mm. How conscious was the cultivation of that personal brand for you? I, I think it was definitely conscious in the early days. Um, and I'm glad to hear that it uh, that it's worked, at least in a sense, <laughs> because I feel like I could do it a lot better, actually. And on... I mean, I think the the way that I try to build it is more through the media side of things. So we, we our, I mean, our blog is the most visible part of the business. That's where most people find us. We get um, we get good traffic there. We've got a couple of hundred thousand people a month visiting our website. But on there, actually, there's not much of a personal brand directly on our main website. Like I don't, uh, me and Matthew are on the front page, but kind of small pictures uh, and I don't like I don't shout about my name Matthew's name we don't we don't go too hard on the personal brand on there but where we do is like you said speaking so I, I think a lot of the visibility I've uh, our site our business has gained over the years is thanks to me being on stages at, um, at events that really speak to this audience that we're trying to we're trying to build, that, that talk to those people and making relationships at those places. It's getting on podcasts, it's getting behind and on other shows like exactly like this. It's running our own podcast like Podcraft, which speaks exactly to our audience as well. And being on YouTube as well, I do a lot of video too. So while I think I could do a better job on the website, I've definitely deliberately built a lot of media that puts myself out there, but also Matthew too. I think that's important. Like, I, I think it's not just me and this team. Matthew's definitely a personality. We're quite different, um, but I think we both play a big part in it. Yeah, I think your search profile is incredible. If you, I, I challenge listeners to go and do this just now. Type how to <laughs> do anything podcast into Google and your site's almost guaranteed to come up in the top three. It's really impressive. It's uh, yeah, um, yeah. We're lucky to be there, um, but there has been a lot of planning around that too. Yeah. Know, uh, but there's <laughs> when it when it comes to Google, there's there's definitely a bit of right place, right time, as well as putting the work into the keyword research, the quality of the writing, the uh, yeah. It's doubling down. I've found as well. Actually, it's doubling down on the stuff that works. I think that's what a lot of people 
get wrong in terms of trying to get search visibility in that way. They just keep churning stuff out. Um, we spend at least as much time going back and reviewing stuff that's starting to work, stuff that could be slightly better uh, and re um, rejigging stuff that we've written two or three years ago. So I think that's a lot to do with it. But yeah, um, yeah, it's great to, I mean, it's partly choosing the niche as well, isn't it? Like it's always how to something podcast, like you say. Yeah. Um, so podcast microphones, podcast mixers, uh, podcast software. Whereas I couldn't rank, I wouldn't have a hope in anything in ranking for software or, you know, microphones or mixers. Uh, so it's finding your niche in that sense as well, I think. I'd like to maybe roll back to and I am going to jump around quite a lot. I make no apologies for that. No, that's all right. <laughs> you were doing sort of a done-for-you service effectively for a while, and then you decided to productize. I, I imagine that was a bit of a slow transition. It wouldn't have been an immediate revelation. But the membership site yeah. side of things, I'm always curious to understand the journey. And you have a very yeah. successful membership site. So how, what, how did you get from idea to actually opening the doors for the first customer. What what was that journey like and how long did it take? It was long and meandering, to be honest. Um, I actually had said, so when did we launch it? Let's think about the timeline. I think we launched the membership October the year before last. So that would have been 17. Yeah, so October 2017. Um, and the first six months of it were actually a, a slog. There, we didn't sell many memberships at all. Uh, redid it in April 18, so just about a year ago, dead on now, and made it just annual, a bit more self-study. Um, and that made it take off a bit, actually. It was that. It was it was making it an annual membership that people could just get in, commit their year to it, um, do a lot of it themselves. It was much lower cost because we put a bit more, a bit less support in it. And we've actually re jigged it again. So now we have monthly and annual and we've put a bit more support back into it um, just last month. So it's been, it's changed a lot. But going back even before that, so October 17, go back maybe even a year, six months or a year before that, I had said at that point, I'm never going to do a membership. It's just not, <laughs> in our, it's not, not in our plans. I don't like it. Too many people are doing it. There's too many products out there that are like they're trying to get you to subscribe on a monthly basis. I was thinking at the time myself, like I had, I kept having to, you know, um, what do you call it? Audit your, my monthly subscriptions. Like I was signing up for too many things and it would just put me off. I didn't have time to take part in more memberships. I, I it just, to me at that point, it seemed like the world was saturated with that stuff already. And I, there was no hope in anything of getting somebody to sign up for something like that. So, uh, I'm trying to think of the trigger really. <laughs> what made me change my mind? I think it was I think it was really around the fact that there was people asking for it. That was where we got to. It was the fact that uh, sort of in the summer of that of 17 um we were talking to may, way more people. That was kind of a it was an inflection point during 17 where our traffic started really growing. Our visibility started really growing. And we had a lot more people asking us for help with things. Um to the extent that we couldn't really do it one-to-one -one with the team we had. We didn't really want to do it one-to-one -one because it would just take up so much time um, doing that one-to-one -one work that doesn't necessarily grow the wider picture. So I think it was that point I revisited it and decided that if we're actually going to help as many people as we want to, as many people that want help from us, we need something more scalable. And the only thing I could think of was the membership site at the time. And I'm glad we did because we've, we've figured out ways to make it unique. We've figured out ways to make it worth the money that people put in week in, week in month in, month out. Um, so yeah, it's 
it was definitely a hard decision to get to it. It was a, and we've we've it definitely wasn't successful when we first launched it, but we've got there in the end. <laughs> and when you first opened the doors, how much content did you actually have ready for people? This is a technical nerdy question. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the reason that's important, I think, is you kind of touched on a little bit, like who wants another membership site? There are lots of membership sites. Yeah. But actually. <laughs> There is an audience for you. There are people who want what you've got. It doesn't matter what you do if you're a Facebook ads expert or you focus on digital marketing marketing for people who clean roads. Yes. There is an audience for you and there are people who want to engage with you in lots of different ways and one of those ways is memberships. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to know how much is enough? I, I mean, I think, I genuinely think now that you can launch a membership with very, very little. Like a lot of people join our membership just for the access to myself, to Matthew, to the other people we work with. Um, so they actually, they don't care about the content. They don't care about the courses, the resources. They're literally just there to be able to get on a live call with us every week and ask us questions, to have us there as support, as backup. Um, and I mean, when you're paying, what, our membership's $35 a month these days. So what's that? 25, 26, 27 pounds um, a month. So they can get on an hour long call and get a decent bit of attention in there because we don't have a huge membership. We don't have hundreds of people turning up to these calls. So they can get a decent bit of attention for, what's that work out? Like seven pounds a week. <laughs> so yeah. um, when you think about it that way, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's how it's worked for us. Certainly, they've, they've they've made it worthwhile that way. Thanks for answering that because that that really has been a bit of a puzzle for me. Uh, so that's my indulgence. My indulgence is now over. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll say that the content is a big part of it for some people. So you could launch a membership with just just live calls, just some access um, and start doing, start creating content from that. It's a classic way to do it actually is to just set up, you know, seminars, lectures, whatever you want to call it. Do one every week. So you've got an hour's worth of content you're creating every single week, but you're running it live for the existing members. That's what the value for them. But you put it in a bank, in a library, which is then ongoing resources for new people. And that grows, you, you know, over three months, you've suddenly got 12 hours worth of content in there. Um, so it's a, it's a good way to start it that way, I think. Um, I think to answer your initial question, we launched, I believe, with fa about five courses. But three of those courses were a three-parter, really, on one larger course. So there was one launch course, which we broke up into three parts. So there was the kind of planning of launch. There was the technical bits of launch, like creating the show. And then there was the, there was the uh, publishing of launch. So that was a three-parter, really. And then we had one course on how to edit a podcast. That was just how to use Audacity, yeah. essentially, which is one of the biggest things we're often asked. And then the third one, I believe, was an interview one. And I got somebody else to do that for us. So somebody else was in interested in creating a, a course for us around how to do good interviews and that's all we launched with so yeah there wasn't a great deal in there and looking at the pivot from done for you to membership and product the one of the things that mm -hmm. i was really intrigued by was you get to spend a lot of time looking at your search profiles looking at your product offerings when you're focusing on a done for you service the pressure to be spending time on that is intense so actually finding the time carving out the time to work on product is really difficult yeah, yeah. For, for commercial reasons because you need yeah, the money from the yeah, done for you service so how did you manage that pivot 
I planned that from the very start, actually. So when I, t- I talked about the fact that we went, I went full time uh, early 15, late 14, I think it was. And um, it was at that point that our, I'd grown the Amazon income part time. So I hadn't done any production for two or three years before that. Started the site back in 2011. So between 11 and 2014, 15, really, it was just writing. It was creating content. It was growing an audience and growing that affiliate income. And it had got up to um, to somewhere between two and 3,000, I think, a month at that. But no, it wasn't even that much. I think it was somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000. So an income, but not like a massive income. But I said, I'm going to, I want to take the risk on this. I want to go in on it and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the technician work myself. So I never did the production, not from the very start. I took on a contractor right at the very start. I found somebody that lived close by to me that was willing to do um, on-demand work and we set a price per episode. Uh, And that meant that I could basically go out, get clients um, and I know what my margin was going to be. Uh, I would charge, say, £50 an episode. Um, he would charge £25 per episode. I make 25 per episode. I'm not counting all the other time and organisation and everything, but, you know, at a base level, I had that idea. Uh, and that's where we started. So I, I knew that I didn't want to get involved in that technician work for exactly that reason, Bob, but just because I knew I would never grow the site. I never knew I, I, knew I would never grow the scalable side of it if I was concentrating on doing the technician work. So, again... That's a, tr- a slightly tricky one because you have to find somebody that's willing to do that kind of on-demand work. But I think there's plenty of folk out there these days that are willing up for doing that kind of freelance work. So it's, so it's possible. Yeah. Okay, I want to look at Alitu mm-hmm. a little bit because that is the mother of all productizations. <laughs> um, I've been watching the development of that from the from from the distance but to anybody listening colin's only an hour away from me and one of the guys that used to work for me now works with colin on the alitude product Indeed, yeah. so i have a little bit of an interest but what possessed you to take on a project like that <laughs> um that again is a, a slightly long story in that i mean well do you know what the short answer is that we just kept getting asked we kept getting is the most common question we're asked is how do I edit a podcast? How can I avoid having to edit my podcast? I hate audacity. I hate processing stuff. I hate bit rates, compression, EQ, uh, adding music, all this stuff. It's it's one of the biggest pain points in podcasting because so many people out there just want to have a chat like this. They just want to create content. They don't want to have to learn how to edit, how to process. Um, so... I was again trying to, it was at the point actually where I knew that I, I wanted to get out of the production space, um, but that was kind of my regular thing outside of the affiliate income. That was my, again, my legitimate side. So I thought, right, what else can I build? And that was the question that kept coming up. So I thought, can we build a product that helps people edit, automates the processing, all that kind of stuff? So uh, basically that's where it came from. It was just, we just kept getting asked by our customers. Um, the story of how it actually turned real is slightly different, but <laughs> we can go into that if you want. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's up to yourself. <laughs> no, carry on. Well, I mean, so so really, I, I, so I was lucky enough to get into a, a mentoring program actually back in 2015. 
uh, called the Royal. It was by, run by the Royal Society of Edinburgh, and it's um, it was basically a year long commercialization program for academics. And I had been doing a PhD at the time, so this was something I was doing alongside growing out the the podcast host, and uh, I got funding essentially. So I I got a little bit of funding to go through that year. Uh, and come up with some ideas on how to commercialize it. I got some mentoring from people, some actual, like really old school traditional people from up your way, actually, a few oil folk um, right. were just like, they didn't have a clue what my industry was, but they were so good and kind of like getting their head around the business model and translating their kind of old school knowledge into this new digital world. So that was really interesting, actually. And at the end of the day, I put together a plan of the type of product we could create and applied for funding from um, SMART. So Scottish Enterprise run this program called SMART, S-M-A-R-T. It's just an acronym for something or other, I can't remember. Uh, And you match fund it. So they basically give you up to £100,000 if you can match fund by a third. So they put in 100000 we put in fifty, And it was that really that powered it. It took a bit of the risk away. So I still had to spend a lot of money on doing this, like taking on developers and all the costs and everything. But that gave me enough of a buffer that let's take the risk on it um, and start to build it. Um, and the fact that I knew it was going to take about a year to get from design to making a, the first penny out of it, that helped with that a lot. So so that was the kind of, that was the, the funding and actual creation side of it, yeah. That joins the dots on a few okay. things that different people have said to me mm-hmm. that seemed conflicting, but actually makes so much sense now. So had you ever built a software product before? No, not even slightly. <laughs> because I know what it takes, um, having worked predominantly in the web agency side of things. But yeah, that's a massive undertaking. Yeah, it, I, I've i got so much wrong along the way. And uh, yeah, I learned so much. But it's it's been fun. It's been interesting. But I there's a lot of stuff I did not expect and a lot of back uh, pedals and a lot of <laughs> U-turns. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I have far more respect for IT software, sort of software project managers now. <laughs> um, so how long has that been open doors, so to speak? We launched it commercially in June last year. So what's that, like nine, ten months now? Yeah. And I saw you had a milestone in terms of users the other day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we hit our first 100 users, which was brilliant. Um, Back in November, I think it was, December, start of December, I believe. Um, But we got to our second 100, so 200 users just a few weeks ago, which was brilliant. So, yeah, we're definitely, it's accelerating, it's growing. So, um, yeah, yeah, really pleased with that. That's brilliant. And is that, I mean, you'll probably know podcast trends better than I do, but Mm -hmm. is that sort of reflective of, the growth of podcasts and podcasting? Yeah, I think it's definitely a part of it. So podcasting itself is definitely growing. The stats are showing that. There's a good set of stats just brought out a few weeks ago, actually, that shows that it's grown more in the last year than any year um, before. So that's great. But I think I think it's actually just a lot of the work we're doing around visibility as well yeah. um, is accelerating it. Our website's doing better and better the last few months. And that's our, that's our biggest source of leads is the content we've produced back in the day. So going back to that first blog post in 2011, that is actually what's powering the growth of Alitu as well. Um, so yeah, but also, yeah, it's just, it's just growing. We're getting out on, we're sponsoring podcasts, we're sponsoring events, that kind of stuff, just investing more money in it. Now, as the product becomes more reliable, I trust it more. I'm putting more effort into external advertising now. Right. So where do you want to go next? Is it really just focusing on this membership and Alatua's products or have you got more 
crazy schemes in the pipeline? <laughs> I, I've had too many crazy schemes over the years uh, that have derailed me many years ago. Um, so right now I'm quite enjoying being able to focus just on the one business, even though there are two kind of main products in there. Um, so yeah, I'm quite satisfied with um, Alitu and the membership. And yeah, that's exactly where I want to go. I want to grow both of them. I think they're really complementary too. I love having a product and a sir. I really I realize the membership technically as a product because people are buying it month by month, but I see it more as a service because we're we're giving the service of making podcasting, like telling them how to make a podcast easy. But the product, Alitu, makes it easy for them. So I think they go really well together. So I think we can grow the two of them in tandem pretty well so that's my plan is to grow, bring them more, closer together to increase the reliability of Alitude just make that totally rock solid um, so it works every single time and just gives a great result for every single person that's my aim for 2019 really Thank you and I think I do want to roll back to the other side of your business which you mentioned right at mm -hmm. the beginning which is you have your own suite of podcasts and you mentioned sure. space exploration and a couple of other <laughs> things and I can't possibly bodies were of that i really need to understand what that's for <laughs> sure the space exploration one's just that really it was a fun project we started last year um where matthew that works with me here is well into space as well and i i mean i studied astrophysics that was my original degree not that i've done anything with that since apart from just be vaguely interested in space um but we we decided to make a drama basically it was a it's a fictional podcast where matthew and i are up in a spaceship just zooming about the solar system <laughs> um but with a documentary style to it so it's like we're we're talking so say i'm on the spaceship matthew's in his suit on the surface of titan and just talking through as if he's richard attenborough wandering about on titan um, and it kind of brings together a few of our skills as in uh, sort of our interest in space our, our, our podcast production skills but also um, Matthew's drama background so Matthew actually has produced audio dramas for years now uh, so it's just it's a fun project that takes up way too much time <laughs> but we keep doing it anyway because it's uh, because it's fun to do well it does sound a bit bonkers but it does sound like great fun <laughs> but I'm guessing on a more serious note is that something that you've monetized in some way? No, we haven't. Uh, well, I suppose that's one of those funny ones that we haven't monetized it directly, but it was designed really as a bit of a portfolio piece. So I've sent it to many a client. So that, that Converge show, for example, that I talked about, or um, a few other client um, shows we've worked on recently, kind of high-end, high-production ones, we send them a link to Hostile Worlds. They take a listen to two or three minutes of that show, and they're like, okay, I get it. You, you can make basically anything I want you to make. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes away all the technical questions, basically, and then it just comes down to you know, um, the other stuff, like um, how, what, what are we going to actually make together? So yeah, it's, it's really good in that sense. And I guess my last question, really, because I know you have to go shortly, but, and I haven't given you a warning of this, but <laughs> if somebody was thinking, oh, podcasts, maybe that's something for me, what would be the one thing they should really think about first? It's always the uniqueness. So podcasting is growing and it's still the most open medium out there. I, I would argue it's still the easiest medium to get discovered and grow an audience. Um, 
because it's much less busy, much less high competition than video or blogging. But it is growing. The competition is getting harder. And it's it's about making sure your show is unique. There's just so many shows out there that are just the same as every other show that don't think about, you know, niching down your topic to something really interesting that really speaks to people. Um, so for me, it's always about, it's about thinking about that problem that you're solving. Think about the audience that you're speaking to. What problem do they have? What big barrier do they have that you're going to solve for them? Um, think about how you can be uniquely served to fix that for them. So not only are you going to teach them the topic, but you're going to bring your unique background to it. And often I find actually that comes down to something that's maybe you don't realize is even relevant to it. So for example, my background, I, I'm a teacher from years back. I used to work at university. Uh, I'm also a mountain biker. I, I do a lot of biking. Um, I'm a parent. I've got a couple of little kids. So I can teach podcasting, but I can bring those perspectives to it. So our podcast, Podcraft, for example, is um, it's almost made like a set of courses. It's seasons based. We go really deep, we pick a topic, we go really deep on that every lesson. Every, every, see, I call them lessons rather than episodes. Every right. lesson is linked to the next one. There's always a task to complete. There's homework to do at the end of that lesson that leads into the next one. We then ask about that at the start of the next episode, ties back to it. So I, you know, I apply my teacher background really, really strongly to that podcast. And that's what brings the uniqueness to podcraft. So I would say if you're thinking about starting a show, think about your topic, make it nice and specific, but also think about, you know, what is it about you that makes you different? What is it about you that makes you stand out? And how can you apply that to the show? And that is really what's going to bring people to the show and make them stick around because they think this is different. This is something new that really appeals to me. Colin, that is fantastic advice. And I think that's a great place to stop if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Easiest place is uh, Twitter. So I always have to have a chat on Twitter. Any questions you have about podcasting, the business, anything at all, really happy to chat. You can find me at The Podcast Host on Twitter. Colin Gray from The Podcast Host, thanks so much for your time. Can't wait to see you again sometime. But for now, thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me, Bob. Colin has a wealth of knowledge and his business journey started with selling services based on that. From there he productized his knowledge in his membership site and also provided the tools to produce podcasts easily using his new SaaS product called Alitu. Colin and his team offer a textbook example on how to build out your revenue streams and offer ever more value. It's never easy but then nothing worth doing ever is. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the show. That is easy. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com or just search Gravity Digital Marketing in Facebook and you'll find us easily. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Colin for giving us his time this week. Thanks to you for listening to Gravity and see you next week.